I want to know Christ. Oh, thank you. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Amen. Check that off. I want to participate in his sufferings. Wait. Becoming like him in his death. Who in their right mind really wants to do that? But yet this is what God calls us to do. Uh, my name is Gil Clausen. I am the guest speaker here today. I have the privilege of being one of the missionaries here at Forest Grove Church. And just before I get into the message, I'm not going to say anything really about Youth for Christ and, and what we do, because if you want to know more about us, first... Uh, you can invite us to your home group or um, at the back of the church there, actually, there is this, I can see it right now, there's this wooden shelf. And on this wooden shelf, uh, there's prayer cards and stuff for all of the Forest Grove missionaries. And I speak on behalf of all of the Forest Grove missionaries when I say, we would love for you to pick up information and we would love for you to pray and we'd love for you to invite us to your home group or your home and we'd love to share what's going on. Uh, because we have the privilege of serving with you in the world. So thank you for that. Uh, today we're just talking a little bit more about gospel in the culture. And we're talking through First Corinthians, Peter 3 and 4. So we have a lot to cover here today. Uh, before we get going into this, though, I just need to say this, that the Canadian and the world culture is changing. In particular, evangelical Christians were losing our credibility and our favor with the general public. It's true in Canada, and it's true around the world. And I think today's scripture, 1 Peter 3 and 1 Peter 4, tells us a lot of good wisdom, good hints on how do we as evangelical Bible-believing Christians live in a culture that's becoming more and more hostile. Here's a, a few quotes, okay? And this is like Canadian culture. So this is a quote uh, from May 28th. It's uh, an article called, entitled Same-Sex Marriage. So uh, just bring up the quote there. There we go. The days of socially acceptable Christianity are over. The days of comfortable Catholicism are past. Powerful forces and currents in our society press us to be ashamed of the gospel. There's another quote. Uh, this, I think, is a quote from a leader. And he basically lashed out at evangelical Christian groups and he accused them of going completely against Canadian values and laws with their beliefs about homosexuality. And even though this was a, a leader in Canada, this represents the viewpoint I think, of the majority of Canadians. Uh, Pastor Bruce, two weeks ago, gave us an incredible message on sexuality in the church. And if you haven't heard it, it's available online on the Forest Grove website. If you've heard it once, I would say it was so good, go listen to it again, because he just spoke the, the word very powerfully. But the fact of the matter is, is that we as evangelical Christians, especially in this particular topic, we are viewed very dimly by Canadian culture. And to say that we are completely against Canadian values, uh, that hurts. There's a poll 
in 2015, an Angus uh, Reid poll, I think it was. This is like crazy, crazy. This poll shows that 32% of Canadians have no opinion whether or not Canadian evangelical Christians make an important contribution to society. So 32% have no opinion. Either way, it's like a wash, whatever. 38% believe that evangelicals make a negative contribution. This is like Canadian culture. So people, the general public around us, they are going, evangelical Christians are not helping Canada. So culture is changing. Um, there's, there's three things that I would like to, just before we get into Peter, talk about in regards to suffering. Three different types or forms of suffering. So uh, let's just go there. The first is self-inflicted suffering. So this is the kind of suffering that if you, uh, if you go to a party and you get drunk one night and you wake up the next morning and you get, you're hungover and you're suffering and you're going like, I'm hungover... That's self-inflicted suffering. You're like, yes, you're suffering, but you did it to yourself. Or if you're like a 50-year-old guy and you play hockey once a week, and the next morning you wake up and your body is just like feeling terrible, you know, that's just the suffering that I put on myself. You know, yes, I'm getting old and all that, but I don't have to play hockey and be sore the next day, but it's the kind of suffering that we put on ourselves. I think we as Christians, actually, we sometimes bring suffering on ourselves even when we're trying to do what's right. Uh, sometimes, as Christians, we're just not very wise. Like, we say things in public, on Facebook or whatever, that just, like, and people look at that and they go, like, you Christians are, like, idiots. Like, what are you thinking? And, you know, sometimes we don't have to be so in your face. An example, this week, I don't know if, if you saw this or not, but in the Star Phoenix, uh, there was this red Starbucks cup thing. And without going into all of the details about this, if you, if you don't know anything about this, just forget about it. It's not important, okay? But basically, there was a couple. There was a guy that wrote an article, and there was a guy that put out a video that was really. They claimed to be Christians, but it was really bad. It was like they were accusing Starbucks of being anti-Christmas, anti-Jesus, anti-church, and the whole video, like, I, I was going to play it, but I, I'm not, because I don't want to, like, bring any glory or recognition to it. But, so what happened was, there's a few people who spoke out about this, about how Starbucks is anti-Christian and all this, and it just went viral all over the internet, and everybody's going, like, what's this red cup thing all about? And it's an example of how sometimes we as Christians make a big thing out of nothing. And at the same time, a big thing was made out of this, and most Christians don't even care. Like, they're going, like, this is a non-issue. And it's like, I think, an example of how something like this, just sometimes in society, creates a wedge between culture and Christians. Uh, so, and it's the kind of thing that we inflict on ourselves. Then there's a third kind of suffering. This is what St. Peter is talking about, really. And it's the kind, oh, sorry, second type of suffering. Uh, yeah, it's the kind of suffering that just happens in life. And we all encounter it because we're living in a fallen world. So whether it's disease, whether it's accidents, whether it's uh, even in Paris, the terrorist attacks, this wasn't like against Christian groups. It was just whoever was in that location. 
and their lives are changed. Uh, Some of them were killed. Stuff happens, even in our own lives. Like there's disease, there's mental illness, there's depression. There's things that we're all going through because we're human and things that we have to deal with. And so there's a real pain and a real suffering that goes hand in hand with a lot of those things. So I want to talk a little bit about that today as well. But the third type of suffering really is what Peter focuses on. And this is the persecution kind of suffering. And we are going to talk a little bit more about this later in the service. And we're going to pray for the persecuted church around the world. But uh, this is the kind of suffering that we encounter because we are proclaiming the gospel on account of Christ. So right now, if you have your scriptures, you can turn to it. They're going to be up on the screen as well. I have to go very quickly here because I have limited time and there's a lot to cover. So basically, we're just going to read through some scriptures and glean some wisdom from this because I think this passage helps us live in a live the gospel in a culture that's changing, in a culture that's becoming more anti-Christian. So, first of all, now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So just a couple of things here about this. Generally speaking, when, you, when we as a Christian, when we do good things, we expect that people will like it. Like, if you, uh, if you go to your work and you buy everybody a coffee and, and you just give it to them out of the kindness of your heart, generally speaking, you know, you're gonna, they're going to say thank you, you're going to be feeling good. If we go downtown and let's say that we work at the Friendship Inn and we serve meals to homeless people, most often, when, when we as Christians do those things, people are going to say, thank you. Thank you for doing something good. But Scripture here is talking about the fact that sometimes when we do good things, we are going to be persecuted for that. It's just it's a fact of life. Generally speaking, when you do good, you'll receive good favor. But sometimes you don't. So what do we do with that? Well... If you suffer for what is doing right, God will reward you for it. So we're not supposed to be worried or afraid. Uh, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Uh, The NIV version, I really like this. It says, set apart Christ as Lord. So the first thing that we need to do in our lives is we need to make sure that Jesus is Lord of our lives. And then he says, when you're doing good things, always be ready to explain your faith, why it is that you do. The next slide, I think, is a very important thing for us. Peter says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed for what they see. For when they see a good life, you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. So the first thing here, I think, is, of course, a key thing. Always be gentle and respectful, even if you're on Facebook. I need to remind myself of that once in a while, even when you're on social media. And you know, this last week, as as I'm going through social media and stuff, there's a lot of things that Christians are saying there that, you know, you look at, are we being gentle? Are we being respectful? 
And I know there's emotions and there's thoughts and there's things. And, but Peter says we need to be gentle and we need to be respectful. Uh, and then there at the end, remember that, it's, that if it's God, uh, remember it's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants, then to suffer for doing wrong. So that goes to the, the three points. It's good to be suffer when you're being persecuted. It's not good to suffer because you've created, you've made wrong decisions, you've sinned, you've done things that are wrong. You don't need to suffer in those ways. Next, so why do we do this? Because of Christ. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. So I just want to pause here for a minute and just speak about the suffering of Christ. Because really, this is the focus of what this is all about. So first of all, there's the physical suffering, the suffering of Christ on the cross. And one thing Romans were really good at, it was getting people to suffer. The whole crucifixion process was designed in a death kind of way to make this person suffer in an agonizing way. It was all about how do we get this person to suffer through the process of death as much as possible. It was grotesque. And the Romans were good at it. But there's a deeper kind of suffering, I think, that Christ went through. I think it's the spiritual, emotional suffering. And I think this is evidenced in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before when he's praying to God. He's saying, God, if there's anything else, any way around this, please get me out of it. So even Jesus didn't really want to suffer. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. And during that whole process, he was sweating drops of blood which just symbolizes the intensity of what was going on. And think about this for a minute. Here's Jesus, the creator, the holy God, and he knows that he is about to take on himself, his body, all of the sins of the world. So, including the terrorists who just blew up people and buildings and stuff in Paris. Jesus bore their sin in his body, on the cross. And you think about a holy God who couldn't stand sin to have to bear all of our sins? It's suffering that we can't even imagine. And this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And why? He did it because he wants to bring all of us safely home to God. So let's go on to the next verse. So since... Then Christ suffered physical pain. You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. So it's just plain here. So since Christ has suffered physical death, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. I guess as I was preparing, a thought that came to my mind is this, is that as Christians, if you are not suffering for Jesus, which version of Jesus are you following? I'll say that again. If you are not suffering for Jesus, 
which version of Jesus are you suffering? Because it's pretty clear that we will suffer for the sake of Christ if we are following in the path of Jesus. Obviously, here in Canada, we are not persecuted to the same extent, nearly, that people are around the world. And we're going to talk about that in just a little while. There's an interesting verse here, or halfway through, the phrase that you'll be finished with sin. Um, For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you will have finished with sin. And I think part of this has to do with the whole concept of Christ's suffering on the cross really embodied the, the emotional, spiritual, the sin suffering. It wasn't even the physical suffering. And so when we suffer with Christ, or sorry, when we suffer for the sake of Christ, it's like we are becoming one with Christ in his suffering. We are learning, we are experiencing what sin did to Jesus. And in a way, when we can suffer in that, it frees us from the power of sin. When we suffer for the sake of Christ, there is an element where it frees us from the burden and bondage of sin because we understand on a deep level what sin caused Christ. Let's go on to the next verse. You have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting, drunkenness, wild parties, and the terrible worship of idols. Let's go on. Of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Basically what Peter's saying here is you used to live this kind of life. Now you've changed and you're living for God. And so your former friends, they're looking at you, they're going like, why aren't you living this way? And they mock you and they slander you. That's the kind of suffering that we have for the sake of Christ. And honestly, in one of the ways that I see this play out most in our society right now is at the college and the high school level, where there's a lot of pressure on our Christian kids to go out and drink and have parties because it's the cultural thing to do. It's, it's just normal. And a lot of high school kids, a lot of college kids, there is incredible stress and pressure put on them to live this way. And they are persecuted when they don't. So we need to pray for them. Let's, let's go on. Oh, I need to flip over. But remember, so when they're persecuting you in this way, remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are dead So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Go ahead. We have to keep moving here. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those in need who need a meal or a place to stay. Just a couple of things about this. The signs of the times. Personally, I believe that we are entering into the end days. Some people think that we have already entered into end times kind of things. I think when we look at all the things that are happening all around the world, we need to be aware 
we need to recognize that things are changing. There's wars, there's turmoil, there's great apostasy of falling away. Uh, there's signs in nature going on. There's tension in the Mideast. There's a lot of focus around Israel. Um, there's a real push right now, behind the scenes things for world peace and world government control. There's a lot of things that are happening that I think are pointing to signs of the end. And I think it's, it's actually an important reason that Peter has these verses right here sandwiched between these scriptures that talk about suffering and then he goes into this and then he talks about suffering again. I believe it's because scripturally, in the end times, Christians are going to suffer. It's prophesied that we are going to be suffered. We're going to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel. So I think Peter is saying that, watch out, this is coming, be ready. So what do you need to do? Show deep love for each other. Pray for each other. Share your home. Be hospitable. Uh, the next scriptures. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So what do we do? We need to use these gifts to serve each other well. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And then the next verse. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Just quickly here, I don't have time to get into this deeply, but that phrase, fiery trials, it's believed that when Peter wrote this, it was in around 65 AD. And what was happening in around that time is Nero was in charge, was the governor of Rome. And um, there, you've probably heard that Nero burned Christians, he, like he put Christians on the stake and he burned them at night to light the night sky. And so one of the thoughts is, is that this is what Peter's referring to. When he's talking about fiery trials, he's saying, you guys know that there's fiery trials ahead. You're going to be burned at the stake. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be slaughtered. So the people, when they're listening to Peter this day, he is telling them all these things. All of the first Peter. So when we're talking about praying for our government leaders, he's speaking to the about the government leader that's burning Christians to death. It kind of changes our perspective a little bit on what persecution and suffering is all about. Somehow, plain red cops seem like nothing. Okay? So Peter's saying, don't be surprised that you will have fiery trials. And in honesty, I think, as I read through this more and more, I'm happy that these verses are in here. Why? Because it's the reality of life. If Scripture didn't talk at all about the suffering that we're about to embark on, if it said nothing, if it was just like, yeah, you know, follow Jesus, it's all going to be good, you'll be good the rest of your life, then when suffering comes, it's like, God, what's going on here? But God, through his scripture, is saying, this is what's going to happen. When this happens, this is what you need to do. So, the next one. 
If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, for stealing, for making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. It's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Isn't it kind of weird that he, he lumps these together? Murder, stealing, and making trouble for other people. Like, we know that murder and stealing is wrong, but sometimes, like, we're busybodies and we pry into other people's affairs, and Peter lumps that with murder. Like, wow, that's incredible. But we need to praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Our time is up. I need to close rather quickly here. But in closing, what are some things that we can learn here? What are some points? Point number one, if we're followers of Jesus, we will suffer. We will be persecuted because of Christ. Number two, when we encounter suffering, we need to discern, why are we suffering in this way? Is it because I'm just being stupid and do I need to change something? Or am I being persecuted for the sake of Christ? The third thing, I think, is that We need to learn to embrace this suffering as a way to know Christ on a deeper level. It's sometimes it's only through the path of suffering that we can really know the suffering Christ. The final verse, and I just want to leave this with everybody here. This is, I believe, if there's one thing you can take from today, this is it. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, Keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. In my life, and I have to admit, like I haven't lived a life of intense suffering. I've lived a pretty good life. Uh, But I've experienced a few things, and part of it is in, in our marriage with my wife, Allison. And you might look at us and you might go like, well, these guys got it all together. It's all really good. Truth of the matter is that we've had our struggles. I am not the easiest guy to get along with, and neither is she. <laughs> Girl. And a number of years ago, we were experiencing some deep difficulties and pain, and, and so we went and seeked some counsel. And this guy, and he met with us, and I was expecting him to sit down with me and just pat me on the back and say, there, there, Gil, you know, it's good. Yeah, you've suffered a lot, you know. He didn't. He sat down and he referenced this and he said, are you willing to embrace suffering as a way to know know Christ deeper? Are you willing to suffer in a number of ways? And through that suffering, you will know Christ at a level that you have never experienced. That was not the words of advice that I wanted to hear. And he basically said the same thing to my wife. And we had to embrace suffering, and through that, we learn Christ on a deeper level. And I believe this is what Peter is talking about, that there is a level, a depth of understanding and knowing Christ that we can only achieve through suffering. Secondly, some people might say, well, if this is true, where is God in the suffering? And I would just say this. Parents, if if you're a parent, probably the worst thing of suffering is for you to see your kids suffer. If you see your kid suffering, you right away, you want to go and help him out. If you see another kid beating up your kid, you want to go and you want to like take that other kid out. I think the reason for that is because we were created in the image of God. We are God's children. 
So where is God in our pain and our suffering? He is hurting probably more than we are. And where is the justice in all this? There is a God of justice, and he is going like, I want to see justice, and one day there will be justice. I'm going to close, just give you a time to pause here with, with a, a song. It's a song that has meant a lot to both my wife and I. It's a group called Third Day, and it's called Calling Out to Jesus. And really, when we're talking about gospel and culture and how we bring those together, it all comes back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when you're going through pain and suffering, it's all about Jesus. Like this scripture says, if you're suffering in a way that's good, keep on doing it. But don't forget that you need to trust God who will never fail you. As you listen to this song, I don't know what circumstance you're in here today. Maybe you're here and you don't even believe in Jesus. And maybe this is a time when you're going, you know, he suffered for my sin. I want to follow him. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you've gone through something. Maybe you're about to go through something. But as you listen to this song, I just my prayer is just that you would call out to Jesus. Focus on Jesus and let him be the healer. And you just might want to like give something up to God. You might want to open your hands up and say, I'm willing, Jesus, to be crucified with you.